are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Friday, February 5th. We have a busy weekend ahead of us as Miami Dolphins fans, and we're going to get into all of the things we have to look forward to, uh, including Super Bowl LV this Sunday. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at TheDraftNetwork.com, Managing Editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and really excited for a couple different dominoes. Uh, the, the NFL Honors are tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, the Dolphins are going to have an opportunity to make a little bit of noise as far as uh, some of the awards this year including potentially Xavier Howard for Defensive Player of the Year, Brian Flores, his candidacy for Coach of the Year, uh, took pretty significant shot uh, at the end of the season with the Dolphins missing the playoffs, the way in which they lost the game, the Browns making the playoffs, the Browns proceeding to win a playoff game. But then you also have Zach Thomas as a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He will find out his fate tomorrow as well. And uh, then we have the Super Bowl. And, you know, we might get another play along the way, and including the Dolphins last year at the NFL Honors, uh, took home the, the best play of the year word with Mountaineer shot, the trick play against Philadelphia Eagles in a game that the Dolphins ultimately won. Could they have another candidate there? All of these things we're going to explore today, and I kind of teased the Coach of the Year stuff, so we might as well start there. Uh, I don't think Coach of the Year resume for Brian Flores is necessarily going to materialize. Uh, which is a shame because if you look at it from a surface level, what he was able to do, how he was able to balance uh, the quarterback room and get his young quarterback experience and simultaneously win football games and turn the defense around. And I think statistically speaking, the Dolphins, the most impressive improved team from top to bottom, uh, perfect team, no. Playoff team, no, unfortunately not. But you looked at how bad statistically the Dolphins were in so many different categories in 2019 and what they were able to do this year shouldn't be overlooked. I think that that's the one thing that I would kind of argue Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year for the Cleveland Browns. And I get it. They're Cleveland. They went 11-5. and That's unheard of for Cleveland. They want a playoff game. That's unheard of for Cleveland. It was a huge year for the Cleveland Browns. But the Cleveland Browns were a team that had a ton of hype coming into 2019, and they just made a terrible coaching hire in Freddie Kitchens, somebody who was completely in over his head, and the team flopped. The Browns had talent. The Browns are a more talented roster at this point in time than what the Miami Dolphins are. Uh, from top to bottom, skill players, you look at the running game that they have, the offensive line that they have to run the football. Baker Mayfield, uh, an impressive former number one overall pick who kind of came alive throw into without Odell Beckham. Uh, some marginal receivers, Jarvis Landry, of course, being the best of the bunch. Uh, but you got like Rashard Higgins there as maybe their next best receiver and seems to have good chemistry with Baker Mayfield. The Browns, 11-5, and won a playoff game. That's going to eliminate Brian Flores from winning this Coach of the Year award. But as I look at Defensive Player of the Year, what I can't help but do is compare... Xavier Howard's resume to the resume that won Defensive Player of the Year last year. Aaron Donald won Pro Football Writers of America uh, their Defensive Player of the Year award last two weeks ago. 
So Aaron Donald already has taken home one association's uh, Defensive Player of the Year, but the AP award is the one that carries the most weight. So this is not an open and shut case. Uh, Aaron Donald had an, um, a, an amazing year. He was the anchor for a Rams defense that finished, as statistically speaking, one of the more impressive defensive units in the league. Aaron Donald, of course, the face of that playing in Los Angeles. He has some natural advantages built in. But when I compare Xavier Howard's resume to that of Stephon Gilmore, who won the award last year, I'm not so sure. Xavier Howard's 2020 resume. Uh, he was targeted 101 times. He had 10 interceptions, which is the most in like 13, 14 years. 20 passes defensed and a passer rating allowed of 48.3. Stephon Gilmore won the award last year with 101 targets. 20 passes defensed. Those numbers are identical. A passer rating allowed of 44.1, so 3.8 points better than that, which... Uh, a reminder, NFL passer rating goes on a scale of 158.3. So 3.8 point difference is negligible and under 50 is still amazing. And 10 and 6 interceptions versus Xavier Howard's 10. Xavier Howard, statistically speaking, when you if you're going to factor turnovers with an appropriate amount of value, had a more impressive year at corner this year than what Stephon Gilmore had last year when he won AP Defensive Player of the Year award. And here's where I get stuck with Aaron Donald being the choice. Because if you name Aaron Donald the AP Defensive Player of the Year this year, he had like his worst year in three years. You look at his production this year. He had 13 and a half sacks versus 12 and a half last year. But he only had 14 tackles for loss versus... 20 tackles for loss last year and 25 the year before that and the year before that in 2018 when he was the AP Defensive Player of the Year. He had 20 and a half sacks. So his trend line is 20, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 25, 20, 14. His quarterback hits, he had 41 in 2018 when he last won this award, 24 last year and 28 this year. Uh, he also had a safety in 2019. He had the least number of total pressures this year than he did in each of the last three years. He had 70 pressures in 2018 is what he was credited on on Pro Football Reference. 55 in 2019 and 45 in 2020. Aaron Donald had a great year. Xavier Howard had like a once-in-a-decade kind of year with the interceptions and turnovers that he created. So I would genuinely hope that is appropriately valued by the AP when they cast their ballots here. And it's not Aaron Donald. He's one of the best, biggest stars in the game. And he had a great year. Yeah, he had a great year. He was a great year every year. This was the probably the worst year Aaron Donald had, statistically speaking, in the last three years. Versus a, a performance from a defensive back we haven't seen in a decade. That, to me, is, is would be asinine to give this award to Aaron Donald for just playing in L.A. and being a bigger star. And that's how it feels like it's trending. I would give Xavier maybe like a 25% chance to win the award. I'd give Aaron probably a, a 60 to 70% chance to win the award. I know T.J. Watt was the favorite there for a while. Uh, but I think it's between these two. I think it's between Aaron Donald and Xavier Howard.
I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can help you get there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected bikes, mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your own home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you on thousands of daily, live, and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them, and unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL to get started. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL to get started. Happy anniversary, by the way, to Jason Taylor. Yesterday, February 4th, the four-year anniversary of his learning of being a first ballot inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which makes a great transition and segue uh, to talking about Zach Thomas and Zach Thomas's forecast and outlook for how good of a chance do we think he has to make it this year. Obviously, he was first-time finalist last year. Uh, he last played in the league in 2008, so we're over like a five-year hump of just getting completely shut out. We finally got to be a finalist last year. And as the reports kind of leaked in, like he was amongst the final like eight guys. And obviously not all eight guys made it, um, but we were kind of on pins and needles until it was formally announced. And Zach was right there. I remember sitting there refreshing the timeline nonstop, just hoping that he was going to get the break. So the first thing we got to do is we got to understand there's going to be five inductees in. And we got to look, look at the list and, and be able to identify, okay, who is clearly going to receive priority over Zach Thomas? Because there's a couple first ballot guys that are going to be slam dunk, home run, no questions asked. Uh, the players on this year, uh, the finalists, Jared Allen, defensive end, Rondé Barber, cornerback, Tony Baselli. Offensive tackle, Alan Fanica, offensive guard, Leroy Butler, John Lynch, both safeties, Torrey Holt, wide receiver, Reggie Wayne, wide receiver, Calvin Johnson, wide receiver, Peyton Manning, quarterback, Clay Matthews Jr., Sam Mills, both linebackers, Richard Seymour, defensive line, Zach Thomas, Linebacker Charles Woodson, defensive back. Five players out of this group will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tomorrow is when they will learn their fate. And then, of course, in, in the fall, in August, the summer, is when they will have an induction. And I believe they're hoping to do some sort of induction uh, alongside the class of 2020, which had their induction postponed a year uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So in total, we have 15 finalists giving Zach a one in three chance. Uh, but these odds are going to dwindle fairly quickly because we're going to be completely honest and transparent. Peyton Manning is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So that's one spot off the board. Charles Woodson 
defensive back. He's listed at defensive back for a reason because he played about half his career at corner and half his career at safety, and you can make a compelling case that he was better at either one of the two. Uh, he was phenomenal. He was ageless. He is also going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So now you have three spots between 13 guys, which means Zach is looking at uh, somewhere closer to a 25% chance of making it based on the assumption that we're going to have two first ballot Hall of Famers that are locks in Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning. So here's the good news. Uh, I look at some of the other finalists. Jared Allen, uh, first ballot candidate. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Jared Allen was very, very good. I think Zach has a better chance of making it this year than what Jared Allen does, which means we're down to 12 candidates for three spots. Rondé Barber, another first-time candidate. Um, I don't even think he's the best candidate off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, early 2000s defense in John Lynch. And as a result of that, I would say Zach probably has a better chance of making it than what Rondé Barber does as well. Tony Baselli, um, I just think length of career is going to be a problem for Baselli, uh, and that's some of the feedback that's been given uh, was was that Baselli was brilliant when he played, but he did not play long enough. Uh, he retired before the age of thirty, uh, and I think you look at the longevity of Zach Thomas and kind of the, the statistics, accolades, and, and I do think there is a little bit more awareness of the, um, I don't want to say hypocrisy, but it, it is strange to see Zach's accolades put up against other linebackers who are first ballot guys, and Brian Erlacher specifically. And um, I, I think that lack of longevity plus the awareness towards Zach and his candidacy gives him a better chance of making it in than Tony Baselli, which now pushes us to 10. Three spots, 10 guys, one of them being Zach Thomas. I do think Alan Fanica has a really strong case. Uh, he's another one of these guys who has been stuck in the queue, just like Zach Thomas. Uh, this is his sixth year of being a finalist. You know, Zach's only been a finalist for two years. Zach has had candidacy that has fallen short of becoming a finalist. Fanica, a six-year finalist, I think kind of the, the tea leaves here indicates that he's close, so I'm not ready to make a call on that one yet. Uh, so I'm going to leave this one on the field. I'm going to come back to Alan Fanica. Leroy Butler and John Lynch, the two safeties. Um... I think this is the year for John Lynch. Um, Lynch has been a finalist for, I believe, eight seasons now, so he's been at it even longer than what Alan Fanica is. So if we consider Lynch in uh, along with Woodson, I think from a distribution standpoint, it's probably going to be skewed uh, away from uh, Leroy Butler. So I think Leroy Butler, from a, a numbers and math perspective, uh, is going to be eliminated as well. So that gets rid of two additional names, but also gets rid of one, rid of one of the three remaining spots. Plus, we have Alan Fanica, who's a fringe 
candidate as well. So we may only be looking at uh, one spot left potentially for the remaining seven candidates, eight candidates. Uh, Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne, second-time finalists, uh, but wide receivers have a long wait. It's just kind of the way it works for these this position with the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting. Uh, and I think Calvin Johnson has a more compelling case than either one of them, so we're going to bump both of them off the queue. That's going to help. Calvin Johnson. The conflict with Calvin Johnson is there is a discussion about longevity here that that is going to be difficult to ignore when you look at the full body of work uh, for Calvin Johnson. He ended up retiring on his own terms. He played in 135 games. Uh, He played until he was 30 years old. He arguably retired at the top of his game. Listen to uh, his yardage production, Calvin Johnson. Uh, This is his entire career. 756 yards as a rookie, 1,331 in 2008, 984. That would be the last time he finishes under 1,000 yards for his career. 1120, 1681, 1964, he led the NFL in receiving yards in back-to-back seasons. 1492, 1077, 1214, retirement after the 2015 season. So this is a first ballot candidate who only played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons, still managed to log over 1,100 passing yards and 83 receiving touchdowns. What's crazy is you can make a case based on what we've seen from some other receivers that Calvin Johnson could, if he wanted to, still be playing football today. And instead, he's 35 years old, and he's a first ballot finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. As tempting as it is to put him in, I am a little hesitant to to sit here and give him the nod because he ultimately played nine years. This is a position that has a backlog. And while he was incredibly dominant um, from a a raw production numbers and longevity numbers, I think there's a a firm case to be made against him. So I think he's another one of these. We'll put him on the fringe along with Alan Fanica. I think Zach Thomas is on the fringe. So we'll have like three fringe finalists uh, for right now, two spots. So somebody's already going to be on the outside looking in. Sam Mills, uh, 19th year of eligibility. He's getting ready to get passed over to the senior side. You know, there's modern era, and then once you get past a certain number of years of candidacy, uh, you can go in as a legacy inductee. I think that'll be what the the case is for Sam Mills, just like I think that will be the case for Clay Matthews Jr., not Clay Matthews, Green Bay Packers Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews Jr., uh, 20th year of eligibility. You make it this far, I don't think you're getting in in the modern era. So we can wipe Clay Matthews. We can wipe Sam Mills. Uh, Richard Seymour, the last name for us to uh, address. I think Seymour has a fair case for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, but I think his candidacy is built just as much on the Patriots dynasty as it is his individual accolades. Uh, So I'm going to pass... Richard Seymour, which means we have three kind of right-in locks between Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and I think John Lynch is going to be a lock this year. 
We have three fringe finalists, which means somebody's going to get their heart broken between Calvin Johnson, who played nine seasons and was incredibly dominant during that stretch. We have Zach Thomas, and we have Alan Fanica, an offensive lineman who is well-deserving of the award and has no other competition on the ballot from offensive linemen uh, that I think gives him a serious chance to push him out. That doesn't bode well for The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So the million dollar question, is Zach the one who gets his heart broken? We started this process, 15 finalists, five spots, one in three odds. Then we kind of whittled the list down, looked pretty gloom, and now here we are. We have one spot or two spots for three players. I think, two, I think he's got two in three odds just based on my perception of the class, the finalists, where each one of them is at the voting process, how they've been favored in previous voting. I'm not going to say who gets left out, but I do think Zach Thomas gets in. Um, So if you had to ask me what was most likely to least likely to happen during the NFL honors tomorrow night, I'd say the most likely thing to happen is Zach Thomas is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame or introduced as a member of the class of 2021 for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I should say the induction takes place in August. I think the next most likely thing is Xavier Howard is named Defensive Player of the Year. The next most likely thing to that, I think, would probably be uh, if the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, Vegas, Viva Las Vegas, Hail Mary, whatever. We need to come up with a name for this play. Um, the Hail Mary Chuck to help win the game and push the Dolphins to 10 wins against the Raiders in Week 16 in a playoff race wins play of the year. Um, I don't think that has a great chance of winning because it wasn't a game-winning play. It wasn't some brilliant play design. It wasn't some miraculous finish. Uh, but it was, or it was, like it wasn't the, the final play of the game to be a miraculous finish. I think it has a good case. I think it was the Dolphins' best play of the year uh, when you put it into the gravity of the situation and, and just how unlikely it was. I think Fitzpatrick's Chuck is the third most likely thing that we see take home an accolade for the Dolphins. And then I would put Brian Flores, coach the year candidacy, last. So we have a football game on Sunday, and you guys can choose to root for whoever you want to root for, be on whatever side of the fence you want to be on. I personally, here's my worry with Kansas City winning. Uh, I remember, you know, I'm not a huge basketball guy, but I remember when the Golden State Warriors first kind of showed up on the scene and they won their first championship, and I was like, oh my gosh, this team is fun. And then they won their second and by the time that that next season rolled around and they were just a complete juggernaut and they became like really insufferable, they knew how good they were. They knew how unstoppable they were. Um, 
I would hate to see Kansas City become that team this quickly. You know, and they may be destined to become that team, but let's at least let us enjoy this team a little bit more with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the downside to me for Kansas City winning the game. Would I like to see Tom Brady lose? Yeah, probably. But there's a part of me that also understands that like Tom Brady winning this football game is not good for the New England Patriots dynasty uh, because that makes it a Tom Brady dynasty. Tom Brady going somewhere else, New England finishing with a losing record that season, and Tom Brady going on to win a Super Bowl, what does that do for Bill Belichick's legacy? You know, we talk about what his record is without Tom Brady, and we say, yeah, well, you know, he had 2008, and they won 11 games that year with Matt Castle and so on and so forth, but I don't know. Like, I think I saw he's like 51 and 65 now without Tom. And if the Patriots flounder for the next few seasons and he ultimately does not get the all-time wins record, you know, you, you can then kind of have that conversation about is Don Shula still the greatest coach of all time? He has the most wins of all time as things currently stand. I would like to see it stay that way. Uh, but it, Tom Brady having success outside of New England would certainly kind of tarnish Uh, the legacy of the New England Patriots. And that's something I think I might be here for. I expect Kansas City to win the game, but I would not mind seeing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the game. And it'd also kind of be cool to see a team uh, win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. That's never happened before. So I think there's a couple different things that have been leaning towards wanting Tampa Bay to win, but still expecting Kansas City to win. But You know, you as a Dolphins fan, you have every right to kind of choose to view this game through whatever scope you'd like. Root for whatever you like. Let's root for a good game first and foremost. Uh, But we as Dolphins fans, despite not being in the playoffs, we have plenty at stake this weekend between Xavier Howard's Defensive Player of the Year candidacy, Zach Thomas's Hall of Fame candidacy, potentially getting a contender in for play of the year, and then Brian Flores getting some recognition, be interested to see what the final vote is. I hope he gets the respect he deserves and is at least among the final three or so uh, for coach of the year. Big weekend ahead. Let's enjoy it. I figured we'd talk a little football since it's the last football game of the season. We'll be back again next week focusing on some off-season focus, team building. We'll be assessing some of the roster positions. Again, we did free agent wide receivers. We'll probably be looking elsewhere for agent linebackers as a pressing need. Uh, we got to look at the safety group with a little bit of a microscope with the reports that have come out in recent weeks that the Dolphins may be considering making some changes in the safety room. So lots to look forward to. Hit subscribe, stay plugged in, keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening. And I'll talk with you guys again on Monday.